Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. A common theme on Autism Stories is entrepreneurship and You know, that's really important to me because being an entrepreneur myself, I definitely feel like this can be a great path of employment for autistic and neurodivergent folks. I also like to get some advice from those that have been in entrepreneurship longer than me and that might, you know, help me to run autism personal coach more effectively. On today's episode of Autism Stories, I talk with Cody McLean, who has run multiple successful businesses. We talk about entrepreneurship for the autistic community and the importance of developing a daily routine that works for him to be more successful in his life. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Cody, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course. Doug, it's a pleasure to be here. Wanted to start off and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? It probably started just with going to therapy a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago. And after several conversations, my therapist started to form his own narrative and started to suggest that I was on the spectrum. And initially, I just completely dismissed the idea there's no way. But then the more research I did, the more I came to find, wow, this is this describes me. This is why I never really never had any friends in school. This is why I always felt weird in front of other kids and I never fully understood them or even myself. And from that, being able to piece together these puzzles really discovered that, yeah, you know, I, I probably am on the spectrum and it's not to a high degree, but I think it's to a degree that it's uh I identify with it. So um, I I think I have many fears in life, and I'm always interested in talking to people that um, might have a passion for in an area where I'm kind of fearful of. And one area I'm definitely fearful of is flying. Um, what about a, I, I'll do it, but it's I, I am very anxious on the plane. Anytime there's any bit of movement um, that doesn't feel natural to me, I, I grab onto the handles of the seat. <laughs> so um, that, that kind of brings me to, um, I, you know, I, I hear that you are a pilot. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about um, what kind of drew you to flying and all of that. Uh, it started really just as in this this mutual despise of traveling in general, of having to go through security, dealing with so many people, because flying for, you know, even just a regular neurotypical is is already very strenuous, and it's even more strenuous on us. So I saw it as a opportunity to push myself 
and beyond the boundaries of what I thought was possible. And I did so just really just out of the that hate of actually going through commercial air travel and wanting to be able to travel by myself. So um, in some ways I looked at it, it was just like a challenge. It was just something I just checked off the box. It, it's not necessarily something I have a huge passion for, but it's something that I, I learned. And that actually stems from when I was younger, I thought I was stupid, that I would never achieve anything in life, that I was in this lowest math class. And I always felt like I would, I wasn't good enough. And then slowly I started to read, say, online articles, books, podcasts, and I was able to learn what do successful people do and then realize that they meditate, they exercise, they read, et cetera. And from that, I was able to push myself and realize, wow, there's so much that I can do. There's so much potential that I have. And I was just limiting myself this whole time because I, I used to play the Microsoft Flight Simulator and I would I would pl- fly yeah. a 737. But in the back of my head, I thought, you know what? I can never be an actual pilot. And I slowly was able to prove myself wrong in so many instances just kind of taking small baby steps and all of those eventually led up to the confidence of you know what I can do this and I'm going to make an attempt and I think that's a super important mindset that is really often underlooked is it's not this this positive mindset that everybody tells you to have but it's having this level of self-confidence in yourself because you can only achieve great things when you have the confidence to make a step in that positive direction. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, wanting to learn what what makes someone successful. And, you know, through emailing, you talked about how connecting to, um, when we emailed, connecting to your emotional and intuitive self um, was really important. Um, maybe walk me a little bit through through that process, because I think paying t- attention to our intu- intuition is 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 really critical. Right. Yeah, it's I think it stemmed from after a while of just realizing how disconnected I was from my emotions. And I started out very young seeing how I was kind of Spock-like. And then I started to learn about different personality tests, and I identified with the INTJ personality, uh, Myers-Briggs personality type, which also happens to correlate with the highest number of people who are considered to be on the spectrum in terms of matching the matching the trait. But I always thought, you know what, I'm, I'm a very logical person. Let me use that as my strength. But I was unhappy with myself. I had this deep feeling of inadequacy, of not only having this this self-loathing, so having this lack of self-compassion. And the more I read, and I started reading simply with creating this habit of just 30 minutes a day, is that I'm just going to read a book. And you multiply that, and you can get through so many books over your lifetime, is the amount of knowledge I started to gain about what is the importance of our emotions, and also reading other people's emotions. So I took an online course by, I believe her name was Vanessa Edwards, who teaches a body language online course that anybody can take. And she taught you different ways that people show body language. And I realized, wait, that's something I need to learn about. And so I started to learn about how to connect with others uh, through, through their emotions, how to validate the need to feel heard 
because I would always respond to somebody who, who said something as in like, let me pull a fact out of my head and tell them this fact. And it would either be completely irrelevant to the conversation or I would, or they would miss the point. And I wouldn't get that connection that I was aiming mm-hmm. for. And I, th- and I, I would, I would say, I would give the example of when I turned 21, I was able to get myself to go to like meetup.com, go to various meetups. And some of those were in bars and somebody would tell me their life story or their problems, and I would tell them sequentially exactly how they should solve all of those problems. <laughs> and you know what? Nobody ever called me back, Doug. Nobody, not a single person. And it took years before I finally realized that people don't want you to tell you them how to solve their problems. They want you to validate. They want mm. you to know that they're feeling heard by somebody because that's the most important trait that I think we all have is this desire to connect with others. And when we label ourselves as autistic or as Asperger's, we almost immediately identify our strengths and our weaknesses. And then we choose not to work on the weaknesses. We say, "What? you know what? I'm not a social person. That's okay. And you can either go down a route of having negative self-worth towards yourself or feeling, you know what, screw it. I don't care what other people think. This is who I am. But you can do that in a way that is aggressive and it disconnects you from others in this in this way that just doesn't feel right. And I think we want to go through life ourselves feeling heard and feeling connected. And if we carry this mindset that, you know what, this is who I am, then we're never going to grow outside of that personal space. And so I realized that I think having an intuition, having awareness with yourself is super important because that's what allows you to understand the problems in your own life and figure out a direction and how to solve those problems. And I think those on the spectrum have a particularly good skill set at identifying problems and then so- and figuring out how to solve those problems. You know, people would always tell me, wow, Cody, you, you're very smart. And I would say, no, I, I'm not smart. I just think about things a lot more than other people. And I think that's what we also have a tendency to do within our own areas of expertise is to just go down this this rabbit hole and become super experienced. But then the problem is if we, if we understand a certain uh, thing very specifically, then we tend to neglect these other areas. And you, you've seen these different geniuses of, of type who may be a, a musical genius or a language genius, and yet they're unable to do basic necessities in terms of, of their own life. And I think one, I think we all have the capability and the possibility to look back at what are our own problems in life and how to fix them at a foundational level. And connecting with others was super, super important. And I, I didn't think that was the case very early on in my life. And I'm going to connect all of this, this train of thought. I tend to talk in these big, 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 long circles is part of it was journaling, reading and meditation. And I was able to create this foundational habit for myself. I call it my mind, body, soul routine. And so I will meditate for 20 minutes in the morning. I will read a book for 30 minutes and then I will exercise and I alternate between cardio and going to the gym. And by feeding all of these parts about me, I was feeding my foundation. I was giving myself the internal strength, the compassion, the awareness to see what are the problems and how can I solve them so that I'm not 
completely deficient in any particular field. And a part of that from the meditation, it helped me to become more aware of the things I was doing because we all have these, even if we feel like we're not an emotional person, we still are run by emotions. And we don't know that a lot of our decisions are based on our emotions. There was a, there was a study when they used to cut the, the corpus callosum, I believe, where they would uh, do, do, do the um, lobotomy or there were other aspects of when they were actually able to remove a person's brain that was solely associated with emotions is that person was unable to make any decisions for the rest of their life because no you no longer having that emotional part of your brain which i'm not sure exactly what part of the brain that is that you were unable to make decisions so realize that whether we know it or not, a lot of our decisions and the way we think is based on our emotional state. And when you connect with a certain level of increased mindfulness of what am I feeling right now? Um, you doing things like CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, or I, ha I love these mood apps is like the mood app will ask me how I'm feeling. And then I can swipe left or right on different cards and it'll say sad, happy, confused, etc. It gives me a score. But in doing so, that's also another mindfulness te technique to know how you're feeling. Because if you know how you're feeling, then you can connect the dots to why am I feeling this way? And then how, what can I do to improve that? So there's a lot of aspects to it, and you're free to go down any one of these things if you can remember, Doug. But I go back to the core is partly that journaling, reading, and mindfulness was truly fundamental in helping me achieve a tremendous level of personal growth. Well, there, there is a lot to unpack there, but one, one aspect that you talked about that really connected with me is meditation in that I meditate every day. Um, I can't get to the 20 minute mark. I feel like, you know, I, I know it's a daily process, but I'm just wondering, you know, like, where do you see yourself in, in that process? Um, was it easy to get to that point? Um, what, you know, I know there's different types of meditation. Um, what is your, what is your process? So, one of the questions I would first ask is, where did my motivation for meditating come in the first place? And it came from realizing that I had this deep desire to want to be successful. And it's probably partially motivated by a lot of earlier traumas. And I, I admit that. And those traumas and those demons are still there. And I'm working on them. But a part of that came from also seeing what I wanted and how I can get there. And when you read lots of articles or you start reading self-help or improvement books, you come to realize that the large majority of successful people meditate to some degree. And you can even read this in Tim Ferriss's book, Tribe of Mentors, where mm -hmm. he summarizes that almost like 85% of the people he mentioned in that book had some form of mindfulness therapy. And it was everything from a simple, it's like a, a, an Olympic athlete who said that her method of mindfulness was just she tries to have one conscious breath per day you breathe in you breathe out and you just just don't you're in that moment you don't think about the present or the or you don't think about the past or the future and when you have when you cultivate some form of mindfulness whether that's a conscious breath or 10 15 20 minutes of meditation is you're giving yourself space it's like i look at it like when you're in the shower we all tend to get thoughts in the shower that's why there's this very popular subreddit on reddit called shower thoughts because we tend to get these thoughts about our life about problems that we're working on when we're not being externally stimulated stimulated by 
by TV, by our phones, etc. And that gives your space, your, your subconscious brain, time to actually push those thoughts into your conscious brain and you realize all of those things. And, and I also see like meditation, one of the benefits for me is while simultaneously you're trying to practice, and by the way, there's different forms of meditation, not just this idea of you have to not think about things, <laughs> but the benefit of it is I'll actually have a, a, I used to have a little sticky pad next to me, but now I, I actually have Alexa. So if I'm meditating and I get an idea, I'll ask myself, I'll, I'll become aware of, well, is this a problem that I can solve right now? Or is this something I need to remember? How important is this? And if it's important enough, like a task, I will say, Alexa, add to my task list, blah, blah, blah. And then I am able to close that loop, that, mm -hmm. that thought loop, and I'm able to go back to my center of just counting my breaths. I go up to 10 and I go down from 10. And again, very multiple forms of meditation, but they all try to achieve the same thing is an increased level of awareness and your thoughts and your actions. And that increased level of awareness allows you to connect with that inner emotional state, that inner child that we all have in a way that allows you to validate all of those negative emotions, as well as to have more self-compassion with yourself. And I found when we have more self-compassion, we have way more energy to do the things that we want to do that make us feel happy and that give us a great sense of meaning. So is it is it fair to say that, um, that the things that you've incorporated in your life um, are part of a, a system to kind of help each day to be a better and more successful one for you? I like to think so because early on, I so I've, I've always been an entrepreneur as, as young as 14 and I went through a traumatic childhood and part of work, it became my life. It became my identity. I was the kid that was on the bus to school. I would pop out my PDA phone and I was responding to customer support emails on the way to the, on the way to the school. And really this identity of being an entrepreneur just consumed my life in such a way that I would wake up. I would go to my computer and work, and then I would I would take a break, have some lunch or some dinner, watch a little bit of TV, and then do more work and then go to bed. And it was just this repeat process for years on end. And I would end up burning myself out. And I realized that if you if you look at if you say you do an analysis of how much is my time worth on an hourly basis, and then realizing, wait, I'm I'm working, say, 60 hours a week one week and then the next week I'm barely working 10 because I'm so burnt out from the previous week is that doesn't make much sense and mm -hmm. it actually is more beneficial to balance out this level of stress because I think there's this great saying of a friend of mine who says find something that kills you really really slowly <laughs> because that means that when you find a passion that you love and you're able to work on that passion, it's going to be stressful. Like stress can be a good thing. Just oftentimes we stress ourselves out too much and then we become unbalanced. And that leads to that feeling of burnout or of anhedonia of not wanting to do anything and nothing can really bring you any form of pleasure. And when we find that balance, allow ourselves time for leisure, like bicycling, even for me, it's crazy, but even reading a self-help book can, is still a form of leisure um, or playing a video game or practicing an art. When you're able to balance those things with this passion or this hobby uh, or not a hobby, but like your job, whatever that may be then that allows you to do more work, better work, be happier with the work that you're doing 
and allows you to lead what I would like to believe a happier, more successful and fulfilled life. Absolutely. And, and in, in thinking about like developing a, a system that works for each, each of us, I read where you wrote that your focus for many years has been in optimizing your daily routine. So can you, why has that been so important for you to kind of like perfect the, your daily routine for you? Right, because the daily routine is the foundation of everything else that I do. It's like if you look at like a house, you've got the concrete base foundation. And if that's not there and you try and build a wooden frame on top of that, it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And when you're too focused on, even if it's something that you're good at, say you're, you're talented in a specific thing that you do, uh, but you can still stress yourself out to the point of burnout. And so you still, no matter what your main focus in life is, you still have to have these other, these other things that will fill up that gas tank. And so having the foundation has allowed me to see, wait, I burn out less. I feel happier in the work that I do. I'm more productive overall. And that's simply because I set some time for myself in the day. It's not all just about work or it's not all just about taking care of other people. I'm able to take care of myself just like that that metaphor of you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can put it on others. Mm-hmm. What, what are some things you've learned that um, make your daily routine uh, work uh, so effectively for you? Well, I mean, it would go back to the idea of the, of the meditation, and then I also do a weekly journaling exercise. Uh, one of the books that was – so two books that were very influential is Atomic Habits by James Clear as well as GTD by David Allen. And so let me just cover the GTD book first, as that stands for getting things done. That allowed me to incorporate a reference system in my head, and it, it allowed me to realize, wait, I was holding on to a lot of external tasks. It allowed to, it created a structure in terms of how can I handle my daily workload and my task structure in a way that allowed me to exert more resources towards the creative, deep work that actually matters. And so one of the biggest things was realizing that whenever we have a thought, we'll often have a a thought that pops up in our head of, oh, I need to take the trash out or I need to pick up clothes from the dry cleaner or I need to go to the grocery store. But then you're not in a position to act on that thought. So you just let it go. But then the problem is that your mind will constantly hold on to this thought. It'll just push it down to the subconscious and then randomly when you're driving or you're doing something mindlessly, the thought will pop back up. But then we keep ignoring those thoughts and those thoughts are tasks. Those are things that our mind believes that we need to do and it will not let go of that until we act on it. An alternative method is to have the mindfulness to realize, oh, I need to I need to take out the trash or I need to go to the grocery store. And then you can utilize any method of a task list on your phone. I personally use a app called Todoist. T-O-D-O-I-S-T, and it has a free version. And then I'm able to connect that with Siri and Alexa. So no matter where I am, I can say, Siri, add to my task list to take out the garbage. And then once you create a reliable external system of holding on to your tasks and the things that you need to do, then your mind is no longer going to bother remember reminding you about those things. And it, imagine you have maybe 20% more brain resources and energy that you can then commit to other things because your mind no 
longer has to stress out over it. And so learning a, a system like GTD was very helpful for me personally in helping me become a more successful person and being able to manage all the responsibilities like paying the bills, et cetera, that I have to do. A part of that was also incorporating what I call the what's called the weekly review system inside the book. And that's like everything from I check the mail, I open up all the mail in the envelopes, and I have a scanner, and I'm able to scan all of those documents into Evernote or Google Drive, et cetera. And so I'm able to keep a scan, and I have this weekly review. So I just do it once a week. I'm able to clear my mail, and I have multiple inbox uh, intake forms where on the top, I put in uh, envelopes and mail from outside that are unprocessed. And then in the middle, I'll put things that I still need to act on or like future tasks, but I don't want to do them just right now. Uh, then with the GTD, I also clear out my tasks and I clear out my emails. And so when you incorporate this weekly review, you're, you're looking at what are all the daily, what are all the, the regular responsibilities and things that pile up that if I don't create my own system for managing those, then they're just going to get worse and worse. And I think that's a huge uh, a problem within the, the, the community of uh, autism is that we tend to neglect certain daily responsibilities and then they come back to bite us. And because we're, we're in a world where we really don't care about these things, right? But we live, unfortunately live in a world where we still have to manage those, especially as an adult. And so having this weekly review system for me has helped me to manage all of those responsibilities. And then moving on to the second book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, he wrote a great book on how to formulate good habits. He goes into the science and the history on how do we create habits because in some ways we all want to have positive habits. We want to stop doing bad things. You want to start doing more good things. And those good things, maybe they take effort like learning Spanish, but it tells you all the different techniques in terms of how to formulate these habits. Like there's the example of just doing a tiny change. Like say you want to go to the gym. So if you wake up and you just constantly can't get yourself to go to the gym, maybe you could wear your gym clothes on the night before and you wake up and that's helping your brain get over this mental barrier of procrastination of, oh, I already have my gym clothes on. Let me just go to the gym anyway. Or maybe instead, if you can't get yourself to go to the gym, then you're just going to say, you know, I'm going to do 10 push-ups. And if you can't do 10 push-ups, then you're just going to do one push-up. And the key is that you're creating a little, it's like you're taking a little file and you're inserting a, a little reference letter in your file cabinet for this is something I want to do. And, and if you can't do something consistently, you just move it down to the tiniest, tiniest thing. So even if, even if you can't get yourself to do a single push-up, then you would make it, I'm going to have a thought about wanting to exercise at 9, 10 a.m. after I wake up. And that creates this little slot in your own head that you can always reference to do those habits. And when you, you can do those consistently, add more habits, and your life can get better. Absolutely. And, you know, the journaling, I've known so many people that journaling has been uh, beneficial to them. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why it is. Like, even something you mentioned earlier about kind of closing that thought loop, journaling can be really helpful for. What type of journaling do you use and, and why and why is it so helpful to you? Okay, so 
I, I love a lot. I love talking about all this stuff because <laughs> I've thought so deeply about it in every way. I also have a website, CodyMcLean.com, where I actually talk about this. It's C O D Y M C L A I N.com, and I have blog posts where I I go further into depth about all of these different things. And so my journaling practice is involves a daily and a weekly practice. I'll use an app called Exist.io. That's simply E X I S T. It is, however, $50 a year, but I use it because they connect to all of these different metrics. It connects to my sleep tracker. It connects to rescuetime.com, which is what I use to actually analyze my productivity, and that does it all automatically. And then it will it will take my my scale. I've got a Nokia Withing scale that will actually upload my weight, my body fat percentage, etc. And so it takes all of these metrics to help you create this sort of this self, but what's the word is you, you, you quantize uh, yourself. Uh, there's a specific term for, uh, for that. But anyway, what I'll do within the app is I will also rate my day one through a 10 and it has a little note section. And so I'll just use the Siri dictate and I will just say what happened today. Like, Oh, I went to the gym and then I didn't feel like doing this. And then I had lunch and then, I was working on this project, and so I will just dictate whatever comes out of my head, and I'll just put it in that note section. And then they also have tags, and so the tags it could actually what they what they'll attempt to do is they'll create this attempt for cause and correlation. So I can look at a report, and I can look at so I tagged on this day I tagged caffeine. And it will tell me all of the uh, possible correlations to, oh, when I have caffeine, I actually don't sleep as well. I have my sleep is 73% instead of 83% on the days that I don't tag caffeine. Uh, and then it will, it, will, it will look at the weather. It will look at how many steps did I take via my Apple Watch. And so that can also help us in some ways figure out what are the things that we're doing or can do. And it can enable you to create these mini experiments. So like an experiment that I've been doing in the past week is I use my Aura Ring and it actually allows me to, to insert different tags about – it kind of does a similar thing too. But anyway – uh, one thing I was doing is taking magnesium every night before sleep because we're often, I think 90% of the U.S. population is deficient in magnesium. And when you take it, you can actually improve your sleep quality. And so I've actually been able to say, okay, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to take magnesium and I'm going to put it next to my bed stand so I, forget not, I don't forget to take it. Mm-hmm. And then looking back at that week, I was able to see actually it was 5 to 6% better uh, overall that week in sleep quality than it was the week before. And so having an app like that or even just doing it on your own is you can create these mini experiments and to see how you feel. I think that's a certain way that that we particularly can have a, a, it can be one of our strengths, I think, is to create these experiments and to think about these things in our head. And I've just happened to obsess, you know, my obsession was always about is, is not even entrepreneurship, even though I've been successful with that, but it's been about productivity. That's like the thing that I love because thinking in, in psychology, thinking about how do we, how can we think better? How can we live better? And then trying to share all that information with others has been very uh, purposeful and meaningful. But anyway, going back to it to summarize, so I'll do a daily note inside of Exist and I'll rate each day one through a 10. And then at the end of every week, I use an app called Day One, D A Y. 
M-A-C-O-N-E, and that's a Mac app and also a, an Apple app. And so I'll use that. I'll create a template for weekly review. I'll actually take a picture, a selfie picture of myself. It goes at the top, and I'll title each week by what does that week mean? What were the important things that happened that week? And then I can go back any week. I can do this. I can go back six years and I'll be able to see exactly what happened that week. And so on top of that, and so so the reason why I do the daily journaling, and so honestly, the daily journaling, is, this sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Like the daily journaling can take anywhere from 30 to 90 seconds, and it typically takes less than 60 seconds because I'm dictating what happened that day. And then uh, every week when I do the weekly journal, I copy every single one of those days to the journal, and I'm able to create bullet points or highlights, like this is an important thing that I need to, to go over. I'll open up the journal, and I'll just use dictation on my Mac and I'll dictate the string of thoughts of unfiltered thoughts on and relate related to that particular subject. And in doing so, I've been able to process my emotions, even thinking about something uh, recently bad that happened, like a friend dying, is it made me kind of start crying. And I think that's, I'm giving validation to that feeling because otherwise we'll just hold on to these negative feelings and we don't know that they're there, but they're affecting our life in a, in a, miserable way but but anyway that's kind of my weekly journaling process is i take the daily journals put them on there and i dictate the text i put an image and i'll title the week i also have this thing called a life calendar so i know this is going a little bit more extreme than probably what most people are willing to do but i have this life calendar and i think it's by the uh, wait but why uh, absolutely great great blog but if you go on google and you type in life calendar wait but why all separate words you'll see what i'm talking about and i've got this little mini calendar and so every week i will rate each week a different color i will rate it for green if it was a super amazing week it just blue if it's a regular week i'll rate it orange if it was a stressful week and i'll rate it purple if it was a week in which i traveled and the idea is that you're you're coloring in each week and you're able to see all these little boxes going all the way down to way past when you're 80 which is like the average life expectancy currently for the u.s americans uh, and i'm able to it gives me this constant reminder that i am going to die someday and having that reminder of death is there it allows me to, in some ways, uh, be more present, grateful for the present, and also make me realize that my time on this earth is limited, and it gives me a broader perspective. Hmm. So hopefully hopefully you got all of that, Doug. Absolutely. A lot of great stuff there. Uh, so being an entrepreneur myself, I love talking with other entrepreneurs, and you've been a successful entrepreneur for multiple businesses. Now, now, currently, you're the executive chairman of Support Ninja, whose mission is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs become more efficient um, and their startups more scalable. If we have some um, listeners out there that um, are interested in starting their own business or maybe are in the early stages, do you have suggestions of things they shouldn't do or think of things they should do or or that they or maybe you know might not be a good idea to do this thing so so small correction as I, as I did recently sell the company so I'm right now kind of homeless from the entrepreneur <laughs> perspective but I'm taking that with a sense of pride because I have so many ideas that now I have the freedom to work on and I think these ideas have the potential to impact millions and help other people's 
in ways that would give me this deep sense of meaning that I think I've been searching for for a long time. But in terms of entrepreneurship, for me, I was personally forced into it. I wouldn't say naturally I probably would have been an entrepreneur if I had a stable childhood and I went to college. And equally so, I still see lots of entrepreneurs who are able to just go into it and they're able to find some level of success at it. Uh, I think your first venture, it might not be successful, but that's okay because lots of my own companies have failed for one one reason or another. But out of out of having say three successful exits now, I probably had six other companies that failed or projects and ideas I spent money on that just didn't go anywhere. Uh, so entrepreneurship is in my way, I actually look at it as a safer bet than having a job because if you have a job, then you can be fired and then all of a sudden you have to find a new job and then you have to worry about how to make more income. But as an entrepreneur, I can build a business in an evergreen manner. I can either build it up and sell it for a lot of money, which is which is frankly what I just recently did, or I can build up what would be called an evergreen business. And this is more common with, say, online marketing or self-help uh, courses, is to build up something that's going to generate me revenue over a, over a long period of time. And then you're able to worry less about money and also about the stability of the income since I'm just able to collect it. And that's that's relation to like e-courses or books, et cetera, thing, or having a podcast in my own instance. But let's see, going back to the question of how would you know uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur? Um, so, or say that you have an inkling of wanting to be an entrepreneur. Well, firstly is I, I think I am proof that you can be on the spectrum and still be a successful entrepreneur. And I don't think I need to say that when Elon Musk was recently on Saturday Night Live, how he said, I think I'm the first person with Asperger's to be on Saturday Night Live. So here on the other spectrum, we have so many successful people on the spectrum that do have successful businesses uh, and et cetera. So if you have any inkling that you're incapable of of doing it, I would try and understand that, you know, that, that feeling firstly validate that feeling is that it's there because it's trying to protect you. It's there because it's afraid that you're going to fail and it's that you're going to hurt yourself. See, look, if they did it, then you can do it and use that as this inkling level of motivation to get the things you are, are happy about. What are the things that inspire you or that you spend a lot of time thinking about? And look at that specific industry and you can look at different things that perhaps other people aren't looking at. And so I give you the example of when I was young and 14, I started a web hosting company. It was very easy to start it. I would pay HostGator.com 25 bucks a month and I was able to resell this space and bandwidth and essentially sell website hosting to other people. And I saw that there was a niche, a, a niche within this market that nobody was tapping, and it was video sharing. And so I was, I focused on this particular niche, and I became very successful at it. And that's again because I just spent more time thinking about this problem than other people who had these businesses. And I think again, that is a strength that we all share in the autistic community is an ability to think about things to a truly intense level, as long as we care deeply about those things. And when you can do that and apply it to a business, then frankly, I think the possibilities are infinite. Now, beyond um, the companies that you've uh, you've sold, you you also are an author. You wrote a book titled "From Foster Care to Millionaire," discussing your journey. Uh, 
which is which made me think about how it's so important um, for that we all need others in achieving our goals, especially bigger ones in life. How important um, has figuring out who who can help you to achieve your goals been in your journey? For for me, and and there's a part of me that doesn't really. So I had some people in my history that were helpful, like like a Judge Wilkie, who's in my book, and he helped me after my mother died and helped me not go to foster care where I was for a little period of time. Uh, but a lot of the internal work I did was based off this inner belief, and it was also based off this, this deep-rooted fear that there's nowhere I can go if I fail. And there's like this example of... of uh, I believe his name was Cortez, who who came from Spain and he landed in South America and he burnt the ships that they traveled on so his soldiers wouldn't have any thought of turning back. And when you don't have any backup option, then that gives you an incredible level of not necessarily confidence, but drive to try and work on something and be ambitious. And for me, not having a backup option was partially what motivated me. I I can definitely relate to that because I've I heard you know I, you you always hear or often you know advice is given that oh what's your plan B and I've never had a plan B so is is that what you would say is the same thing for you? In terms of of con constantly working and building a business, yes, that that was my it was having this deep rooted fear. And I think if you ask me whether or not you should go to college, I think for, for most people, like you, you probably should still go to college. And the only reason to drop out of college is say, say you want to be an entrepreneur, you're working on it as a side project, still keep going to college. But the only thing that I would ever consider dropping out is if you start to actually make money and you start to see some level of momentum with that business, maybe then there you can make a decision. Um, but otherwise, I still think the benefit of getting the knowledge is still there. Um, and you, you will have plenty of time after that to start a business and see what kind of impact you want to make. And, I, and, and the, another important aspect is don't just think about starting a business with how can I make the most amount of money possible, right? It's something that you should have some level of interest in and that you can add value to. And having that, I think, is a very important part. Mm -hmm. And what can people kind of expect um, if they read your book from Foster Care to Millionaire? They will see heartbreak. They will see tragedy. They will see deep levels of the emotional connection that, that I had with, with, at least with my mother, the, the family traumas and arguments that we had, as well as the experience I had while going to school, being somebody that nobody felt like I never had any friends, I never fit in, that it was, it was just really, I, I still felt like I was a stupid person while trying to build this successful business. And I was motivated because I went to a rich school and I was a poor kid. So I got to see the contrast of what is success, like literally on the bus ride every day from, from home to school, is I would actually go past the mansion that had a helipad on top of it. And seeing that, it, it showed me what was possible. And I wanted to be better than those other kids and prove to them that I didn't need my parents' money. And so there was this whole journey that I went on from 
being in school, from uh, from going through legal battles, having these family arguments. Uh, my my parents were addicted to alcohol and having to deal with addiction. And then losing my parents and being in foster care. And one of the worst days of my life, I, I remember, is I was in foster care and I actually got a call from Scotland Yard. And it was because they were investigating fraud reports uh, for my business because the same day that I got pulled into foster care, the server, which is the computer that I had that was hosting all of my customer websites, including my own website, actually crashed. And I was unable to do anything about it. And so the thing that I care deeply about, as well as being pulled out into this unknown environment, it was deeply uh, uh, wounded. And, and I was, I had, I literally told all of this, like, oh, I'm in foster care. My mom's not, not here, et cetera. And like the, the, the police officer from Scotland Yard didn't know what to say. And we just lost connection. And so going from that, starting my first business, and then being screwed over by this business partner because I didn't understand what part of my, I think, uh, weakness potentially of Asperger's is we don't always understand the true intentions of others or we don't think about others. And whereas I think a lot of neurotypicals don't have problems being or, or have problems being vulnerable, I find I am extremely vulnerable. And I'm vulnerable to an extent that I've been manipulated by others. And you'll see, you'll see that take place within the book as well as like the first time I had to deal with an evil business partner. And also the, the, the strength that I just carried on of knowing I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to quit. And you see the internal struggle I had mentally while going through all of these changes, all of these traumas and these problems. And the important thing is I just never gave up. And when you know that other people who have been in worse positions never gave up, I think that can give you an internal level of strength that you didn't know you had. And how can our listeners uh, purchase your book? So you can just go on Amazon. It's also available on Audible. It's called Just Search for From Foster Care to Millionaire. Well, Cody, I definitely look forward to reading that. And I, I really appreciate the great conversation today. Thank you, Doug. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much to Cody for the conversation. To purchase Cody's book, Foster Care to Millionaire, or read his blog, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. If you would like to learn beyond this podcast how Autism Personal Coach can help you to reduce your daily overwhelm and get the things that you want in your life, then book a Zoom call with me today. A link to book the call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will have a conversation about occupational therapy. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach, Talk to you then.